Uh, I guess tonight our text will be verse 10, 11, and 12, but I'm going to read it from verse number 1 to kind of get the, since we're not got as far into the book yet, I want us to look at it to see what's going through. The Bible said in the chapter 1, in verse number 1, now we've been on these verses, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So this is where the 70-year captivity started. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And we went through all that of who he is. He's got some kin to uh, Pharaoh. And we'll, we'll not get into that tonight. We've been there. Verse 3 said, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish. And remember I said the children, these are young fellows. Children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now remember, these are well-favored men, young men, and uh, they are... They find in favor with the Lord, too. They're well favored. And uh, they went a long way. God used them. Verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision. That was uh, of substance and food and uh, taking care of, of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, that seems to be the custom three years of of. Uh, putting them under training, that it, at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. And that's how you know them, but I don't try to use that anymore. Amen. I call them by the names of God. But Daniel purposed in his heart, proposed or purposed, whichever one you want to say, in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God, by the way, that lets me know we can defile ourselves. God wouldn't put that in the scripture if we couldn't defile ourselves. And he said, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now here's where we want to take off with tonight. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces 
worse liking than the children which are of your sort. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 12. It says, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, we may not get to verse 12, but we're going to head that way. So let's ask God to help us, and then we'll look at this tonight. And we're going to bring a little message called uh, God's Faithful Witnesses. That's uh, four of them here. God's Faithful Witnesses. And these are faithful, and they done and held the job right. Father, give us wisdom tonight. Help us to understand the thought of this business in here in Daniel. And Lord, how that we get to go into these, and Lord, we see uh, the seriousness of their heart and life and what they did. And Lord, that they done well. And I pray, God, tonight that we'll see how they did. And then, Lord, have the same purpose and purpose in our heart the same thing as these fellows did, that we'll bring glory and honor to your name. And Father, we'll give you the praise for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want you to look at this. This is actually tonight the lesson 10, and we'll title it God's Faithful Witnesses. And this is dealing with Daniel uh, and the other three boys. I'm trying to find them in here. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, these fellows uh, have done and are doing a great deed, and God's going to bless them, and you're going to see that tonight. Now, you've got to remember, they're in Babylon. Babylon is a captivity. They're going there for a purpose. God said they're going to go there. And uh, he's, there was no way that they could stop it by what they did, and God promised them that they'd go into captivity. But God had give these four fellows something good to take care of that captivity. If us Baptists would probably be in that tonight, we'd probably be whining. There was no whining in these four fellows. There was no griping, no grumbling. They didn't get ready to quit. Actually, they done well. And I want you to know tonight that when we get in those kind of places... We ought not to be griping and grumbling and complaining. We ought to make it the best we can. Problems come. And that's what we need to do is show people how to live through all that. Now Babylon here, the land of captivity, is set out to change the minds and the hearts of these four Hebrew boys. They intend to change them. Here they're trying to change them and let them know uh, who they are and what they're there for. But these fellas are exemplary. They are examples. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Babylon had set out to cause them uh, to forget all they knew about God and all they knew about the Word of God, but it failed. They had in their minds set that they're going to live for God. They'd been doing it. I don't believe it. I went to Babylon and just started living for God. They'd been living for God before they got there. Amen. And so we'll talk about it. They did not want uh, them to be Christians in Babylon. 
They wanted them to become Babylonians. Chaldees. They wanted them to be like them. They wanted to change them. Amen. Let me tell you, we've got the same problem in America and in our churches. The world does not want the church, amen, to exemplify Christ. The world don't. So the world sets out to change our attitude, change our uh, things and the way we do, change our course. Amen. You know what the world wants to do to us? Make us worldly. And the world is working. Did you know it's easier to make a worldling than it is a Christian? Amen. It's easier to make a Babylonian than it is a Christian. And so the devil has to work hard, and he does work hard, and he's out to do it, and that's what he's doing today. We look at it. We look at this. Churches are full of Christian world and so-called. No such a thing as far as I'm concerned, but there are a lot of them uh, out there. Amen. A worldling, to me, when I'm talking about it tonight, it's a very close picture of a Christian and a lost man. When you're talking about people that are worldly. There's some people just plain worldly. They're not going to do nothing but live like the world, talk like the world, and act like the world, and uh, you can't reach them. But the Word of God is the only thing that we can do it with, and we give God the glory and the honor and the praise for it. Amen. We're seeing the daily proof of how that the world begins to bring down and seduce and uh, decrease and uh, lower the standards of the people of God. The standards are being lowered fast, and uh, they're being deceived fast. Amen. And so we go on to look at it. Most churches today that are dying are already dead. They're full of Babylonians or worldly people. Amen. And uh, the rest of them is being trying to be conformed to it. Now, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of God's own Son, right? Every one of us. We're supposed to be more like Christ every day. We ought to walk more like Him, talk more like Him, live more like Him. Every single day of our life. We shouldn't uh, allow them to have any influence on our life tonight at all. Christians go to church, but they won't separate themselves from Babylonians. They won't. They go to church, they'll watch uh, everything they can. Let me just share this with you. You say, I ain't a Babylonian. I ain't a worldling. Amen. You come to the house of God, worship the Lord Jesus, exalt Him, and then go back out and the rest of the work, or rest of the week. We're watching Babylonian films and Hollywood films. Amen. Taking care, take all that in. We, we play their fiddle. We play their music. We bow to their images. We bow to their things. And uh, we have a double standard. God help us. Now this boy, particularly Daniel here and these other three with him, they didn't. We're not going to do it, they said. We put purpose in our heart that we're not going to eat the king's meat. We're not going to drink the king's wine. 
We're going to separate ourselves from those things. We're not going to take them in. Amen. We're not going to do it. We're going to separate from them. Amen. Well, we want to go to heaven when we die. Amen. But we want to visit Babylon all the rest of the time while we're here to get there. Amen. God help us. That's the truth. Amen. Well, we go to church on Sunday, Sunday night, and sometimes Wednesday night when we go then. But we always got to make our way into town Friday and Saturday to visit the Babylons and the worldings. You said, oh, we don't do that. We sure love them Babylonish garments. Amen. Thank you. Just think about it a minute. Amen. And uh, we go play, see what they've got, and we follow after them, get all their little stuff that they got on Friday and Saturday night, and then come in on Sunday with a hangover so bad the preacher can't even wake you up, and then you say, hey, I wonder why he couldn't wake me up this morning. And just put something out on him, you know, amen, because he can't wake you up. Well, you can't when you get lulled asleep by the world. Amen. Praise God. It's real fun when you're trying to throw a medicine ball. Some of you are just, you're just entertaining a few of the words here and don't really care nothing about it. But I'm telling you, some of you, some of you do. All right. I tell you tonight, Christians get down on the job. Let me give you something to think about. Get down on the job and down there. I hear this all the time. I say to somebody, I say, do they ever tell you about Jesus down there on the job? No. Do you ever tell them about Jesus? No. Why? They're going to hell. You're not going to win them? Hang on now. They're down there lost. And what you do when you go down on a job, if you don't have it all where it's supposed to be, is you blend in and hope they don't talk to you about it. I asked somebody not too long ago, and they've been working with somebody about 20 years, and they, I said, are they saved? And he said, I don't know where they are or not. Wouldn't that be bad? That you're friend that you're working with every week is dying and going to hell or did die and go to hell and you hadn't even talked to him about the Lord Amen I love to ask people about their salvation Amen I, was, I had the opportunity to see it was a, it was a Tuesday morning opportunity Tuesday morning I was a talking and, and I was a, at the table, and I started witnessing, and I got to talking about it. And guess what? I had three men sitting there talking, and I got wound up at it. And I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me. And I'm looking again, again at them, and they're looking again at me. And I'm trying to figure out how, what's this going to do. I know this is going to end soon. And the feller said, uh, "Hey, get up! I got I got to go to the bathroom. Got it." He took off, buddy. And he come back out. And that conversation got over. 
That, that, say, that happens lots of times. But when it happens like that, you know what I do? I just wait. A few more days, I'll get it again. And they'll, they'll break it up again. Amen. But I love to talk to people, not, not just to make them miserable, but to let them know that Christ can die for them and did die for them and would save them if it let him. Amen. How many tracts have you passed out today? How much literature have you passed out today? I thought of something. I was sitting here, sitting at the house this afternoon, and some of y'all remember this. Back a few years ago, I got books and tracts and brought them up here and put them on the table. You remember me doing that? And I tried to get everybody to take some with them. And through the week, give them out. And then I'd try to give them out every week. And they quit doing it. They somehow just quit getting them because I quit telling them. And it's amazing to me that if you don't keep people reminded to give out tracts, they won't do it. And we're going to have to get back to doing that again. I keep them in my vehicle. I keep them with me. And I like to give out gospel literature. And somebody said, well, I just don't like to give out your tracks. I said, well, that's all right. We'll buy you some. Amen. Longer King James, it'll be all right. All right. So anyhow, I just thought about, we're going to start that back. What better time to start it be first of the year? That's right around the corner. Amen. And you ought to start it and get practice back up again. Or at least, how many of you think you give out in a week? At least one or two. Or do a handful. But I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to stress you. Amen. Praise God. We want to talk to people about the Lord Jesus. Thank God. That's what we've got to do. That's our job. My job, your job, our job. Witness to people, tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we got to do. Give God the glory for it and give Him the praise. Now, we find this, and I want to tell you something right now. It's bothering me. In our churches, we're losing our children. We're losing our grandchildren. Yeah. Amen. We're losing our families. And I'm not just trying to bring something out. We're losing them. There's a lot of children tonight. We're not going to win them simply because they're not going to the house of God. They don't have nothing to do with that. And uh, they're out of it. And uh, you know what's going to happen? I've seen it happen before. You study the Bible, you'll see it happen. One of these days... People's going to get to the place unless they get so far away from God that it's pitiful. They're going to start crying out in our churches and praying for our children. Once those kids get up so far, you'll lose them. You've got to keep them under the gospel when they're small and little. And you lose them, you've lost them. And when they get 20 years old, it's too late to stand up and say, 
pray for my children or my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren. You done lost them. Amen. That's why they need to be in a church house constantly. Amen. I preach that, believe that. Going to continue to preach it. Going to do it. But then the church begins to cry. Did you hear in the book of Exodus when Moses went down to Israel or down to Egypt to get Israel? He was down there 430 years. He was under Egyptian bondage. But if you get to the back of the book of Genesis and in the first part of the book of Exodus, those Israelites were crying and begging and crying and begging and crying and begging. And they were saying, Oh God, send us a man to deliver us out. They were praying for deliverance. And we're going to get that way soon. Because I want to tell you, the government and the system of the world right now is against our kids. Bothers me. They're teaching them everything under the sun, but the right thing. They won't teach them the Word of God. That bothers me. Disturbs me. Oh, tonight, that's what they need the Word. And our nation is filled with Christians so-called that are angry with God on top of that. Did you know, I, I guess, about every week, I usually meet one or two people. Not every week. Sometimes I go a week without it. But sometimes I meet at least two people in a week that say, you know what? I talked to them about the Lord, and they said, I ain't got no time for God. Has anybody ever told you that lately? If you witness to them, you'll, they'll tell you. Ain't got no time for God. He done this to me or took this away from me or caused this to happen to me. Sometimes it's health problems. And they said, God could have kept me well and now I've got all these health problems. You ever wonder why I got health problems? You take advantage of God and you may get a few. Age gets us. So anyhow, they'll say, I don't have no use for God. He let me down, and I hear this all the time. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard on us down the road, especially when you got God and you can't help Him. He, he can't help you or won't help you. Now, it's not that God can't help you tonight. Did you know that? It's not that God can't help you. God can help you in anything. But it may be the reason you've got that going on in your life is because you've done something else to God down the road. He told you not to do. This is some strange business tonight. You ever looked at that when you say, I don't have no use for God? In other words, your standards is what you're living by and not the standards of God. His standards ain't good to me. I ain't going to follow those things. You don't follow the Word of God. See what that does for you down the road. When you said no to God, listen, where else have you got? You're, you're stuck in the world now with no help. Amen. You turn against God. I'll tell you right now, you're without God and without hope. He don't change his mind. Amen. It'd be the lights out for you.
That's a sure thing tonight. Babylon can wear you down. The world can wear you down. And brother, I'll tell you, we've got a lot of it going on. Here's what the danger is. When you run with the world, now I'm, I'm said a lot tonight about Babylon. And I know you're saying that we don't have Babylon. But I'm talking about Daniel. Daniel had Babylon to go to. Now, can you, can you just think this for a minute? Babylon, he was there as a stranger. He didn't go, want to go there. He didn't desire to go there. When he went there, he had no priest. He didn't have no preacher or no prophet. He didn't have no king. He didn't have no church. He didn't have no family. He didn't have no siblings. He didn't have no Sunday school teacher. Didn't have nobody to help him. And Daniel and those boys, they just had to decide that they're going to stay with God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's hard to find church members that will propose in their mind and in their heart that they're going to live for God and not worry about what the world says. Amen. Amen. They, we're going to, but what he said is we're going to stay for the Lord and stay for God and stay with God. We're going to continue to live a godly life. We're going to continue to exalt godliness. We're going to continue to exalt righteousness. We're going to continue to, to exalt holiness. And so right, he looked here and he said here in Daniel, and this is pretty good, he said, Prove thy servants. Have you ever had to think about that? Prove. I'm going to prove myself. What did they do? They proved themselves. They could have got down in the mouth. They could have quit. They could have backed up on God. They could have cussed God. They could have, they could have just walked out on God. But you know what the Bible said? They found favor. And they done it. And they went through the test and they proved it and come out there and they looked at them. And you know what the, what the king said? These fellas are ten times better than the others. And it's not because they give up. It's because they determined that they were going to do right. What he says here in verse number 12, Daniel says, Prove thy servants I beseech thee ten days. That's a testing. We want you to test us ten days. So he said in verse 14, So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. That's in verse 14. Then in verse 15, And at the end of ten days, their countenance, that's their facial expression, appeared fairer and fairer in flesh than all the children which did eat. The portion of the king's meat. They separate themselves. And they kept their, their strength for God. And then in verse number 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. He found them ten times better. They purposed in their heart not to eat that. And God honored their their purpose. These fellas proved themselves. I want you to know these fellas knew what they were doing and they was doing it right and thank God for it. Now you know what could they could have done? They could have 
started following after the gods of, ba- of Babylon. They could have fell in with, with Shek, it's one of the gods, with Baal, with the sun god, the fire god. The other gods is all down there. But they didn't. These fellas held together and stayed with God. Now, I don't care. You said, well, what about in this world? It's just so much stuff comes my way and I have I just have to do it for some reason. I just can't help myself. Don't tell me that. God gives us a strength to turn everything back in a way. Greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. And if I didn't believe that, I'd quit preaching. Amen. I know what God can do in me. I've seen what he's done down through the years. I failed and I stumbled, but I want you to know I've also had God on my side and he stayed with me. And I love it. Praise God. I don't want to fall and go the wrong way. Compromisers don't get nowhere. Quitters don't win. You heard their old saying, and winners don't quit. These fellas intended to be. You know what? You study it, and just just give. Let me give you this. Just think about this a minute. Even after Nebuchadnezzar died and went on and and uh, was passed off the scene, another king come. The king at night. He, uh, in the middle of the night, I'm talking about the one that took his place. He had a problem. Somebody said, go call Daniel. And the king even bowed with Daniel and uh, bowed to his God. And the, and Daniel told him what God to live, uh, how, what God to follow. Told him how to live and what not to do and what to do. And even Daniel actually run Babylon before it's all said and done throughout the whole book. God can give you favor to a rotten world tonight that don't care for us. God can build us up and give us favor in the eyes of men and women. Amen. God does that. They'll hate us and despise us, but when God touches them, they have to love us anyhow. Amen. I, I look at that and I say, thank God for it. So he said in verse 10, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, and that was his problem. He said, I fear my Lord the king. That's what the eunuch said. I fear my Lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. In other words, I'm trying to feed you what the king has appointed you to have. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. He said, we don't want to eat that. Give us some, give us pulse. You know what pulse is? Beans. Several different kinds of beans. Amen. I was raised on them. Don't reckon it hurts you. Still eat them. Amen. Pulse. I read it one time. It said it's something. I wrote down my Bible here one time. Dry peas, dry beans, lentils, chicken peas. I'm not sure what chicken peas are, but. <laughs> Amen. Some kind of peas. And uh, so lentils got those things. That's what they did. 
and they done good. Didn't eat the king's meat, nor drink the king's wine. And I look at that, and he, he said in verse number 11, Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants. That's what Daniel is telling him. Prove us. Put us to the test. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Amen. That mess up some of you couldn't get a Coca-Cola, but anyhow. <laughs> but I praise the Lord tonight for what we could have. But God proved them out. God proved them. Did he not? Amen. He sure did. Proved them out. And so we get in that, and I just wanted to touch a little bit on this for just a little thought, and we'll go to a little bit further, but I want you to look at verse 12 in a sense that what they did changed their countenance in verse number 13. We'll get a little bit further. Then let our countenances, that's the smile on your face or the lack of a smile on your face, that's the sad look or the glad look, the good look, the bad look. Amen. I've always been one singing, kind of praise God. And, uh, but every once in a while, have you ever been to places just, just somehow you're just in the line doing what and just waiting on your, your time and somebody look at you and say, smile. <laughs> they do that at me every once in a while. Amen, they do. And you know what burns me up? Is I wasn't already smiling. I hate somebody tell me, smile. Amen. I, I was at bank the other day and the little girl's there and she's, you can't get her smiling. I looked at her and I almost did it and I didn't. I, already, I wanted to say, smile. It won't break your face. But uh, I've been there too, so I don't like to say that. But uh, the only thing is, this girl, every time you see her that way, I don't know, she's that way. Amen. So rather than uh, tempt myself to say anything, I just go to another teller probably, usually. It's better than saying something hard not to say. Amen. Wouldn't say out of line, just the only thing is, I just say, smile, it won't break your face. Amen. But you meet those, don't you? Yes. Their countenance changed. I'm sure that that uh, Melzar, he looked at him and seen how there's a smiling, and he said, Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of, of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. I want to be where I'm friendly. Amen. I ain't always. Amen. Don't, don't amen me too much. You don't either. It ain't easy. Amen. Getting traffic, people don't smile too much either. You're tied up and so forth. But these fellas done well. 
So he consented to them in this manner, a matter, and proved them ten days. So he did. And they got to test. That's what we need to do. We're, we're being tested every day. I'd like to preach on that right now, but I won't take the time now because that's a message we come back and get on that. But the devil tests us. The world tests us. Christians test us. Uh, the devil tests us. Uh, unbelievers test us. And we have to get ourselves in the right order. All right. So just take that in thought and we'll change subjects a little bit more. From verse 15 on down the remainder of the chapter, try to finish that. I think we'd probably do it maybe in another one more time and then get into the second chapter. Now, we get into it, it changes quite a bit. And you see some things. And uh, you begin to see it. And then you get in and you get more prophecies. You get into it as we go. But uh, a lot of things are are changing. And uh, I like to look at the book of Daniel. It's a good, good book. Good book. All right, let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed in just a minute. And uh, I pray that the Lord might help us. All right. Father, as we bow in your presence, Lord, we thank you for these people that's come out tonight. Lord, I realize that some didn't come. Some maybe couldn't. Some was sick. Some had different problems and couldn't be here. Some may not have wanted to be here. And Father, that's, we don't know all that. But I pray, God, you take all this into, into heart and do what's necessary. Lord, we pray for those that are out sick and especially this little lady's broke her arm. I pray, God, you'd strengthen her. And I pray, God, for those that's in here has problems tonight. And we give you the praise for what you do and can do and are doing. We give you the glory for what you're going to do through us and in us. And Lord, we fix to face a brand new year. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us in the past year, thinking about what you allowed us to get done here at the church and the people that got to literature, went out into their lives and maybe helped them. Others are still getting that literature tonight. And Lord, I pray for the ministry, the print shop, and all the literature is getting printed and what we got put together this week. And may it go out for your glory and honor. May your name be exalted and lifted. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do. Touch our hearts, Lord, and help us to lift you highly. And I pray the dear Lord tonight that you'll help us as we get to facing this brand new year. And Lord, that we'll take off with it right in order. And may our hearts and lives be close to you. We'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' blessed and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, girls. Praise God.